a couple weeks ago, I gave a sermon on um, being broken, and I used an old shoe that I had, and the, the heel being broken off that shoe as an illustration about broken things and losing their usefulness. And so I get to, there she is. <laughs> I told all everybody I was going to talk about you. And so um, I use this shoe as an illustration about how long we have broken things and how long we hold on to them and they lose their usefulness, yada, 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 right? And so Sandy says to me immediately after service, she says, don't throw away that shoe, give it to me. And I was like, what you going to do with an old dirty shoe with missing heel? So Sandy takes the shoe and last night she delivers to me, returns back to me this shoe with a heel reattached. Thank you so much. But that's not the point. Thank you, Sandy. Sandy, you inspired me. And well, how did you inspire me? You reminded me of that message, Sandy, and we talked about the usefulness of broken things. And Sandy, you reminded me that it takes someone to invest in a broken thing for the broken thing to find its usefulness again. So thank you, Sandy, for helping to bring back and reinforce that illustration that it is the investment into broken things that make a broken thing useful again. So thank you, Sandy, for that. So, update. Uh, no baby yet. No baby yet. No grandbaby yet. Marlene is still very, very pregnant. <laughs> she wishes she weren't, but she still is. I actually told Marlene on Friday, and I, I reiterated this last night over the phone, that uh, if she don't have the baby Friday night, honey, you're going to have to wait till Monday because I don't do childbirths on the weekend. So <laughs> it's going to have to wait. I have things to do and we got stuff going on, so it's going to have to wait until Monday. Well, her due date's actually Tuesday, so maybe she'll wait till Tuesday. But you know, as I, um, as I uh, watch uh, my daughters, um, Jesse with our nine-month-old grandbaby, Eden, and if you follow me on social media or Rosa, that's most of the pictures I post these days. Um, and as I watch Marlene come into motherhood and enjoying the growth of this uh, little boy growing inside of her, and, and I watch them explore um, and navigate the waters of being a wife and being a nurse. They're not nurses by trade, but all you women out here, you know you're nurses. And they're navigating the waters of being an advisor and a counselor and all of these things that you amazing women are to us men. I'm watching them navigate these waters and I find it really interesting that as they're navigating these waters, a lot of times, as were so many of us at their age, they find themselves really lost. And normally when they're lost, they call upon their compass, who is their mom. And my wife being their compass, their true north, and how Rosa always knows what to say and what not to say. What to do and what not to do. 
and she steers them and he guides them for she is their compass, as so many of you mothers in this room are. What I really find most interesting about that is as I see them navigating through their life on this side of experience, and some of y'all understand what I mean when I say on this side of experience, as I see them navigating through those waters, what it actually does is it makes me really, really compassionate and really empathetic for those who are lost, especially my children, but anyone who's lost. And guys, don't get over spiritual on this. I'm not just talking about lost souls. I'm just, I'm, I'm really talking about those who are lost in experience, young people or maybe people young at heart that still haven't gotten it, but they're still lost in experience. It makes me really empathetic. You know, one of the things Rose and I do, and it's a passion of ours, is helping young couples. And so as a lot of you know, we, we host a marriage group on the first and third Friday of the month. Anyone's invited if you're married and you want to join us. Um, one of the reasons we do that is because we want to help be a compass for those young couples or married couples help find their way. You know, Rose and I spent a lot of years getting it wrong. Some of y'all can relate. We spent a lot of years with not really much of a compass. And we took the long way around, if you understand what I mean, to get to the place we are today. And if we only had a compass, if we only had someone who cared enough to help us navigate those waters, honey, how far along we would be. But it's God's plan. And so we really want to be the compass for people in their journey. And it's really made me passionate about helping people find their way. And, more, and even more so, let's take it back to the Spirit, even more so those who are really lost. Those who are lost to God, it makes me so much more empathetic, so much more compassionate to those who are lost. Let me read you a quick scripture. Matthew 18, 11 says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. So today, I want to talk to you from the title, How to Avoid Losing the Lost. Now, um, I'm not, <laughs> this lost is more about you than it is about the people in the world. Lost today is an acronym. We're going to talk about lost. Four things we're going to talk about. Losing of love, losing of opportunity, losing of the soul, and the losing of time. Lost. How to avoid losing the lost. And so I want to start out with the L today. And that's the losing of love. Now, I had to start with love, and I think this was an important one to start, because this is a foundational idea. This is a foundational concept of love. Now, losing love, and I'll read you a scripture from Revelations 2, 4. It says, thou, and this is from the, New, or the King James Version. It says, thou hast lost thy first love, or thou hast left, thou hast left their first love. That's Revelations chapter 2. Verse 4. You know, in, in a marriage, that's probably one of the most devastating things you can hear. I've fallen out of love with him. I'm no longer in love with her. It's one of the most difficult things you can hear in a marriage, especially when there's children involved. And some of us understand that intimately. 
if you know Rose and I's testimony, we've been on the verge of divorce, and we've been now 23 years. We've been on the verge of divorce three times. The last time, I was already saved. And we were filling out those papers, and thank God we didn't do it. But we were at that point where we had totally lost the love. We had forgotten the days of our youth. We had forgotten about the sweet times and the romance and the things that we fell in love with each other for. We lost our first love. We forgot the days that we were walking and holding hands together and things were beautiful and things were so intimate. We forgot every single time we were on the verge of divorce. We forgot the covenant that we had made to each other. And so this loss of love love ended up turning into indifference. And indifference became frustration and frustration, anxiety, and you know the rest of the story. But there was a total loss of love. And listen, guys, this isn't just in the household. This happens in the church. There sometimes is a loss of love that happens right here in the church. And let me, let me help you understand what I mean when I say that there's a loss of love that happens in the church. And it happens really quietly. It almost happens and you don't even realize it's happening. It really creeps up on you. No marriage is destroyed overnight, nor is any church. And so, guys, what happens is the church slowly becomes me-centered. It slowly becomes I-centered, and it is no longer God-centered. And so what happens? We start nitpicking. We start complaining and griping and moaning and groaning over each other. You know why? Because it's no longer about God. It's no longer about his love. It's all about me my feelings, my stuff, and God loses the preeminence. He totally loses center stage. It happens in the church. And this is a really bad place to be. But this isn't uncommon. And it's important for us to be God-centered and not to lose our love. But guys, our first love before the church before our wives, before our children, our first love should be God. And we see in the scripture over and over and over again, just turn to any of the, of the, the stories of history in the Bible. And what do you see? The people of God forgetting it. Read Jeremiah. Jeremiah, as God was sick of it, as he was ready to write the divorce papers and sign it and give Israel their divorce certificate, he says, you have forsaken me. You have forgotten about me. You lost your love. You forgot when I brought you through it all, and I'm writing you your divorce certificate. They lost their first love. So we have to make sure that God is first and foremost, let me move on for time's sake. I want to I talk about opportunity as well. Now, opportunity might seem a little different, right? Remember, we're talking about today uh, avoiding losing the lost. So we want to avoid losing the opportunity. Now, what I mean when I say opportunity, let me give you a scripture real quick. From Mark chapter 8, verse 35, says, who, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. 
Every single one. Is there anyone here in this room that has not lost an opportunity? Whatever it is. Is there anyone who has never lost an opportunity? Maybe a job. Maybe finances. Whatever it is. Every single person in this room has lost an opportunity, whether through your own hands or not. So maybe it was someone else's fault, but you lost an opportunity. Many of us lose opportunities every day. Most of us lose opportunities to witness the gospel every day. We miss opportunities and we miss them by choice. Let me give you a few scriptural examples. Go to Genesis 19. What do we see? We see the story of Lot and his wife. What happens to his wife? She lost an opportunity. What does she lose her opportunity for? For life. She lost her opportunity to life. Why? Because she turned around. Her heart was in the wrong place, and she turned back to the thing that she loved more than God. Go to the New Testament, and what do you find in Matthew? We find a story in Matthew 19 of a young ruler. And Jesus says, you got to give up everything. you got to give up all of it. And the young ruler says, I, I can't do that. And Jesus says, well, you can't get into the kingdom of heaven like that. I'm going to paraphrase. I want you all to read it yourselves. But you know what? This young ruler lost the opportunity to get into the kingdom of heaven because he would not let go of the thing which identified him most. He wouldn't let go of it. And later in Matthew, we see Judas Iscariot, who again voluntarily, willingly gave up the opportunity to be counted amongst those who were numbered. He lost his opportunity to be counted amongst the apostles. He willingly and voluntarily gave up his opportunity. And you know what, guys? Some opportunities are lost forever. Some opportunities you may have a chance to get back and recapture. But it's the new opportunities, guys. It is the new opportunities that are presented before us that we must seize. We must seize the moment. We must capture the opportunity. We must utilize effectively every opportunity that God gives us on this earth to share his gospel. We cannot miss the opportunity. All of them that I mentioned and so many others in the Bible and still today willingly gave up their opportunity that was staring them right in the face. And you have opportunities today, and you will have opportunities tomorrow that are staring you right in the face. Will you lose the opportunity to share the gospel? The third is the S in our word lost today, and that is the losing of the soul. Now, this one people don't really want to talk about, guys. They're okay talking about love, and they're, they're fine talking about opportunity, but when we start talking about the soul and the eternal consequences and the ramifications of the soul, oh, nobody wants to talk about that. People get a little touchy when you start talking about where they're going for eternity. People get a little funny. Let me give you a scripture. From Mark chapter 8, verse 37, it says, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, it's one thing, and it's sad, to lose 
your finances. That's terrible. I've been in that situation. I've, we've been almost bankrupt. I've been there. Your money gets real funny. I get it. That's bad. Health is even worse. But you know what the biggest horror is? Is losing a soul. I can't think of anything more horrible. I can't think of anything more terrible with the most significant and eternal consequences than losing a soul. And in this scripture that I just read in Matthew, it's all about the great exchange. And listen, we exchange stuff every single day. Every single one of you make an exchange of something most days, every day actually, you do it. Time and time again, you don't even realize you're doing it. Is, there, is anyone here work? Anyone? A few of you. Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad you're, you're tithing. Praise the Lord. You, when you go to work, you're exchanging hours or dollars and hours, right? You're, you're, you're saying, I'm going to give you my time. You give me a check. It's an exchange, right? And maybe it's not so tangible. Maybe you've exchanged humility for popularity. Maybe you've exchanged holiness for sexiness. You fill in the bank, blank. Whatever your exchange is, we're all making an exchange every single day. Now, don't get me wrong. Not every exchange is bad. And quite frankly, most exchanges that we make every day are quite benign. But many of us are making exchanges that have eternal consequences, that have eternal significance to our souls. And there are two conditions to our souls that matter in eternity. Only two conditions. Don't let anyone else fool you. There are two distinct conditions. You're either saved or you're not. You're either in the righteousness, holiness, and presence of God or you're not. There's no in-between. There's no riding the fence. Okay? Now, I know this is hard for us to talk about, and churches don't even want to talk about that. They don't even want to mention hell, and they certainly don't want to mention judgment. But this is the eternal significance of losing our soul. But the choice is ours. We have a choice. Every one of you can wake up and make a choice. You can make a choice right now. You don't even have to wait till later. You can make a choice. You can, you can choose the things that are eternal and leave the things that are temporal. You can choose the things that are everlasting, or you can chase after the things that are finite. The choice is yours. A lot of us, we have friends and family, and maybe even some of us in this room, are chasing after the temporal things. We are chasing after the things that will rot and spoil away and will rust in exchange for the eternal you don't believe me? Read Judges 20. In Judges 20, we read about this character named Micah, and this guy, he stole from his mother. I'm going to give you the recap so you can see this. He steals from his mother, and he admits that he stole the money from his mother. She says, okay, son, that's fine. Give me the money back. Now, I'm going to consecrate this money before the Lord, and in the same breath, in the same voice, she says, okay, now go make, take some of this money and go make an idol. Read it. Judges chapter 20. We read of the depravity of the people. 
And then in the last few, the, the epilogue, the last few chapters in Judges, we see how truly deprived people are, how truly wretched their hearts are, where they don't even know how lost they are, and they're sacrificing their souls for things that are made with human hands and totally sacrificing that which is eternal. But the choice is yours. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world, you guys can say it with me. John 3.16, God so loved the world that his only begotten son. Amen. Shall not perish but have everlasting life. The choice is yours. He died so you could live. He died so that you could not only live, but live abundantly and live fully. That's why he died for you. But the choice is yours. Don't lose your soul for the things that are temporary. And the last thing that I want to point out today, and we're almost done. This is going to be a quick message today. But I I love you all so much. I can't stand the thought of you being lost. I I can't stand the thought of any one of you in here that I have come to love so much being lost. It truly breaks my heart. And so the last thing that I want to make sure we're not losing is time. That's the T in our lost today. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to offend the young people, but, but young people, my young people in the room, uh, time is something you don't really appreciate until you don't have much of it. And some of y'all just said amen. Y'all didn't say it out loud, but some of y'all just said amen. Time is something you don't really appreciate until you don't have much of it. Not Whether you're in a rush, you're late for a meeting, whatever it is, you're late for work, or maybe you're later in years. This is why, for the most part, young people don't, they're not really respecters of time because we think we have plenty of it. We live young, and I was the same way, young people. I'm not beating you all up because I was crazy back in the day. We, we, we do crazy things because we think we have time on our side. And so we waste a lot of time and we lose a lot of time. But let me read you a quick scripture from the Old Testament, from Jeremiah. Ah, oh, man, I've been, I've been digging into the Old Testament a lot lately, and so... That's why you're hearing a lot of Old Testament references. Let me, let me give you a quick re- uh, uh, reference to the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20, about time. It says that the harvest is past, the summer is ended, we are not saved. I'm going to let that sit with you for just a second. There's so much in this very short passage. There's so much historical context in this very short passage, and I'm going to help you get there because I want to make this point about time. In this text, Jeremiah is speaking prophetically about what the people would say in their captivity when Babylon was besieging them. Now it says, the scripture says in this text that the harvest is past and the summer is ended. And what the scripture is referring to is a season, a time in which The winter rains have come in that region, and the armies don't march during the winter months, during the winter rains in that season. And so Babylon, the the people that God had sent to judge the people, are already encamped, and no one is coming to save them. 
There is no king. There is no army that is coming to rescue Israel. It is too late. They missed it. If you read earlier in Jeremiah, God had been calling the people back to him. Over and over and over again, God was calling his people back to him. He was calling them to repentance, and their hearts were hardened. They would not repent. And so in this scripture, Jeremiah is saying there's going to come a time when the judgment is going to be before you, when the, the judgment is going to be camped around you, and it's going to be too late. No one is coming to save you in your mess. Guys, we think time is on our side. We think we have time. You know, we think that there's enough time and we can... We can rekindle the love, and we think that there's time, and we can recapture the opportunities that were lost, and we can regain our fortunes, and we can do all of these things. You walk in uh, through life with an assumption, an assumption that you're going to see tonight. You walk through life with an assumption that you're going to see tomorrow. You walk through life with an assumption that when I leave work for the day, I'm coming home. You walk through life with great assumptions that have significant consequences to your life. And you walk around life like, this is fine. I can sin against my brother and sister. I can say this harsh word. I can commit this travesty against God. It's fine. I still have tomorrow. Won't you ask the thousands of people that died this morning? Won't you ask them if they had tomorrow? Because I bet you when they woke up, when they went to sleep last night, they thought they were waking up this morning. And they thought, I have an opportunity tomorrow to make it right. I have an opportunity to come before God tomorrow. I'll just lay down tonight, I'll go to sleep, and tomorrow I'll make it right. Guys, we don't have time. We walk around if we do. And young people in the room, my, my young ones, your time is as short as ours. My son is 15. He lost two classmates this year. Ask them if they thought they had more time. Time is short. We only have right now. All we have is this moment. And I say this with a tone of great sincerity because, guys, all we have is right now. God is calling us this moment. If you have anything that's unresolved, if you have anything in your heart, if you have something against a brother or sister, if you have something against a family member, if you have something with God, now is the time. Don't wait. You may not make it home tonight. I pray that you all do. I'm not wishing that on anybody. I pray to God every one of you have a happy and prosperous life. But the next moment is not promised. All you have right now. And so I ask you today, will you take the time? It's not too late. You have an opportunity to save your soul and help save the souls of those who are lost, beloved. What will you do? How will you take that responsibility? Now, and I'm going to, I'm almost done here. We're going to pray in just a minute. Now, is the time. Don't wait. Guys, 
I'm begging you. I'll get on my knees. I'll beg you. I'm begging you. Please don't wait. Now is the time to consecrate yourselves before the Lord. When I was reading in Jeremiah and I saw the wrath of God and his anger, it terrified me. It struck me so deep in my heart when I read, God says, you know what? I'm going to dedicate you to the sword or to famine or to... God was so angry. I don't want any of you to know that part of God because that is part of his character. That is who he is. I don't want any of you to know that. All we have to do is answer his call. Let him, the Lord be our salvation. Today, not tomorrow, today is the day of our salvation. You don't have to be lost. You can be redeemed. God can help you find your way. God can be your great compass. If you will just listen and honor and follow him, he will direct you to Bedav. He will direct you to the house of the Father. And he'll direct you to the place that he says he was going to prepare for you. A place of rest, a place of peace, a place of comfort and restoration. Will you let Jesus Christ be your compass? Let's pray. It will be done. Again, I didn't have a long one for you today, but thank you for allowing me to take the time to help walk you through how to avoid losing the lost. Father, what could we possibly say? What could we do as we are beggars, sinners, before a holy and righteous king. Lord, all that we can offer you today, Lord, is our repentance, our sorries, and our heart. That's it. And I know, God, you've told us from even in the Old Testament, it's not a New Testament concept, God. You you wanted us to be circumcised in our hearts. You wanted us to be transformed in who we are, not externally, but internally, God. And so, God, I pray that you fill us today full of your love and your mercy, your compassion and your discernment and wisdom. God, I pray that you give us today opportunities, new opportunities to to show people that you turned our mess into a message. God, that you help us, God, and bring our souls to a place of salvation and eternity, God, so that people can see it and want the same. God, we pray that you restore all that was lost in years past and that time is no longer a concern to us because you have made us eternal. And we have an eternal place and presence with you, not a place of separation. And so we thank you today, God. We just elevate you, God, and I just pray that your arrow hit the mark today and that those who needed a conviction be convicted and those who needed encouragement be encouraged. 
But God, more importantly, I pray today that you be glorified and you be lifted on high. So God, we thank you today. We praise you and the people of God say, amen.